Okay, so last week, I talked about this in Sunday school for our young adults, and I was asking Pastor a few things, because I, I don't always keep track of everything that he teaches, and I just wanted to make sure that I didn't teach over a topic he did, and so I named a few things that I had ready yesterday when he said that he may be out, and he said, we'll do the resurrection. You can't go wrong with that, and of course, last week being Resurrection Sunday, and even the messages that he preached, he's preached, he's, he said, oh, I've preached, you know, 40, 50, 60 times by the time you do the beach and the Sunday morning and Sunday night. He's preached the resurrection every single way that you can possibly preach, preach the resurrection. So that's why when you came last Sunday, it really wasn't, we would say, maybe like a traditional resurrection Sunday morning message. And because he's preached those so many different times. And so uh, I figured he would do that, so that's why in my Sunday school I did, uh, I did this lesson here about, we are having some diff- big problems here. <laughs> I'll have Mr., Mr. Dale, could you just flip them manually for me? Well, I'll just tell you to, you just hit the arrow key, the arrow key I think will work, and so he'll have a wonderful job this whole time flipping them, but we'll make it through it. And so the resurrection, the importance of the resurrection, we got about 30 minutes here, about 30 minutes or so uh, to look at this, and I think we'll be able to get through most of it. Being that I taught this in my uh, Sunday school class, I had gone over it maybe about six months before slightly, and so I kind of incorporated two different lessons in one with some interesting little things I hope will, will be a blessing to you and maybe uh, a nice perspective, and how to really talk to skeptics, too, about the resurrection of Christ. And so why is the resurrection important? Well, number one, the most important thing about the resurrection is to Christ's identity, his identity. You can just keep flipping through them. You can do them all the same. You can just go through about all of them. Yeah, that's good right there. And so if Christ didn't rise from the grave, then... He was a liar. We've often heard the phrase, either Jesus, he was a liar, he was a lunatic, meaning, meaning he was crazy, or he really truly was the son of God. It was one of those. It would have to be one of those. But the interesting thing is that he predicted that he would rise from the grave. It wasn't something that caught him by surprise. It was something that he had told his disciples. The interesting fact about it, by the way, too, is that even though he had plainly and clearly, I think this morning when I was looking through it, looking through uh, some, some different lessons and different teachings uh, on this. I mean, there was five or six other times that Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. But they missed it. They totally missed it. Even though he plainly and clearly said exactly what would happen. We know that they missed it because after Jesus died, they were, they were all distraught. They were beside themselves. They had no clue even what to do. Some of them even went back to the old way of life. They, didn't, they did not even believe that he was going to rise from the grave. And so, but he claims, Matthew 20, verse 19, and the third day he shall rise again. Also, Matthew 28, 6, the angel even testifies, and he says, he's not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So it's super important to the identity of Jesus Christ that he rose from the grave. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to trust a word that he said, and we would all unanimously say he was not the Christ. He was not the Messiah, but we know, in fact, that he is. We'll do the next slide. 
to his ministry, to his ministry. If Christ didn't rise from the, from the grave, then his ministry would have stopped when he went to the cross. Oh, does he always preach that loud? Yeah, okay, good. He's a good preacher. He's a good preacher. I thought I was hearing something. But he wouldn't be alive to do all his post-resurrection ministries. We would not have a high priest. We would not have an intercessor. We wouldn't have an advocate or the head of a church. So it's, it's very important that Christ rose from the grave. Again, Mr. Dale, thank you. The importance of the resurrection to the gospel, to the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, is a climactic point of what the resurrection means to us as believers. And Paul simply states, you read through 1 Corinthians, and it's undeniable that if Jesus did not rise from the grave, we have no gospel, we have no salvation. Or we're still waiting on the right guy to show up. So he says Christ that are said to be of first importance. The gospel is based on the two essential facts, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. The burial, of course, proves that he really did die. He did not just faint and was later revived. He actually died. He, was, he rose and was seen by others. If you deny the resurrection, you cannot be saved. If you deny the resurrection, you cannot be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, there's an interesting phrase that they use, uh, anathema maranatha. Anathema meaning let him be cursed. Maranatha means the Lord is coming. And so those two things together, what, what Paul was, was kind of doing there was he was saying that, look, if you don't believe in the resurrection, and there were people back then who did not believe in the resurrection, that they aren't even saved. They're not even part of the kingdom. They're accursed. They're lost on their way to hell. That's why when the gospel is threefold, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is of first importance. You must believe all three. That's why we're going to have a baptism today of, uh, I believe, a fifth grade girl is going to be baptized. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried and rose again? It's very important we ask those questions. Otherwise, why are we doing a baptism? The resurrection is of first importance. It's very important. Let's go to the next slide, please. To the gospel again, Paul wrote the same twofold emphasis in Romans 4.25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again to our justification. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. Next, I believe we're going to move on to the evidence. The evidence. Oh, no, we're still on the importance. Okay. There we go, to the gospel again. Oh, my goodness, did I have a repeat? I guess so. Come on through. A three-peat. To us, to us. If Christ did not rise and our beliefs are false, our faith is without meaning and our hope for the future is pointless. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, about the resurrection. Then our preaching is in vain. Our faith is also in vain. What are we doing here? What are You can turn this one on for now. 
And you can bring me some batteries, too. <laughs> That's probably what it is. So, our preaching is vain. Why are we here? There's a lot of other things I'd be doing on a Sunday morning rather than coming to church if this is just all in vain. There's other things that I'd be doing. Our faith is vain. Your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. We're still dead in our trespasses and sins. And, of course, then they which also are fallen asleep in Christ, they are perished, meaning that there is absolutely, there is absolutely no hope for the lost. Your loved ones, your family and friends who have trusted Christ as their Savior, they're really, they're really, you're never going to see them again. We have no hope whatsoever. Why is the resurrection important? For all those reasons right there. It's of utmost, of utmost importance. Let's try again. Green light. Nice. Okay, we'll go to the next slide. Some evidence, evidence for Christ's resurrection. His appearance after the resurrection. A number of people in a variety of circumstances saw Christ after he was, after his resurrection. On the day of Pentecost, Peter offered proof of his message that they were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. You say, well, okay, they're just claiming that. Interesting, he says, whereof we are all witnesses. This happened around two months after Jesus' ascension, or right, right around that time, that two months after Jesus had rose from the grave. There were people, this is taking place in Jerusalem. What better place for Peter to, to make this claim than in the city that this actually took place and that this actually happened? What I mean by that is that those men that were there, they could easily go and fact check, we're into the fact checkers today, Facebook. They could easily go and fact check what Peter and those witnesses had said because there was over 500 people, as we're going to see in just a minute, that were witnesses at 500 people at one time. That's without all the rest of them. They could easily go and double check what they were saying. And so it's an evidence. Next slide, please. Again, the order of Christ's appearances, here they are after the resurrection. It's to Mary Magdalene and the other women, of course, to Peter, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, to the disciples, um, except for Thomas, to the disciples then, including Thomas. Remember, he appears to Thomas, and Thomas didn't even believe, and of course, doubting Thomas. To the seven disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and of course, as I mentioned already, to the apostles and more than 500 followers and James, which is Jesus' half-brother. Do you think that James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up in the same household? Do you think that he would be able to say, yes, this is my brother? If anybody could have identified, it would be the person who lived with Jesus. And of course, he attested to the fact that, yes, Jesus was rose from the grave. And of course, to those who witnessed his ascension. We'll do the next slide. The effects that must have a cause. What caused the empty tomb? Cause and effect. Something happened, it must have a cause. Why the empty tomb? If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, what about the empty tomb? These are some questions that need answers. I'm not saying each one of these is conclusive facts that Jesus rose from the grave. But when we take them in totality, it says, okay, well, there's some questions that need to have some answers. Why the grave closed? Why were they left there? Jesus wasn't in them. What changed the attitudes of Jesus' followers and disciples after his death? 
as I already mentioned in the beginning of the lesson, that they, they thought Jesus was gone. They thought they were never going to see him again. They had expectation that Jesus was going to come at that and his earthly ministry and, and free them over the, the Roman dictatorship. But then Jesus got nailed to a cross and he died. They were sorrowful. They returned back to their old way of life. They were without hope. Even the women, they didn't come to the tomb on the third day with, you know, party hats and little kazoos getting ready for Jesus to, to come out. What changed their attitudes? Well, they saw the resurrected Christ. And what's also interesting is that it changed all of their attitudes. It wasn't just one or two. I mean, if, if it had only been a few, I mean, if maybe, maybe Peter and, and uh, John, maybe if they, they said, oh, yeah, we saw the resurrected Christ, but all the other people were still in disbelief, there wouldn't be a whole lot of evidence. But the fact that all the disciples, all the close followers of Jesus, they were all convinced that he rose from the grave. Okay, what caused the events after the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 1, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses. Jesus predicted it. Predicted it. What caused the day of worship to change? Up until this point, the Jew, Jewish people, they worshiped on the Sabbath. We don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on Sunday. Why do we worship on Sunday? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. The day of worship changed. And why were the apostles, this is a, a very good point, why were the apostles willing to give their lives? All of them. Except for John being exiled, but I would say that he had a life sentence. Why were they willing to give their lives? When they put you in a boiling pot of oil, you think you'd say, oh, I was just joking. I mean, if, if this whole thing was made up, if it was a lie, people would have, they would have coughed it up. But every historical record we have is none of them did. None of them did. The evidence was so outstanding that they physically saw the resurrected Christ that they were willing to take it to the death. Okay, we'll do the next slide. Here are some of the things that I incorporated in from a previous lesson that I had done, but they are some interesting points. False teachings against the resurrection. False teachings. Remember, false teachings. The theft lie. It claims, these are from skeptics. They go to any measure to try to disprove that Jesus rose from the grave. But here are some of the normal and most silly arguments that they come up with. They claim that Jesus' body was stolen while the soldier slept to make it look like a resurrection. But as we see here, this is exactly what the soldiers were guarding against. This lie does not hold up. These were trained soldiers whose lives were on the line. And also, if they were asleep, if they had fallen asleep while the body was being stolen, how would they have known it was the disciples? Again, the claim was the disciples stole the body. If they were sleeping, they wouldn't have known. I had a buddy in college, he'd sleep with his eyes open, but there was nothing there. It's creepy, by the way. <laughs> creepy. Josh Farmer, if you're watching, this is for you. Problems with this lie, if the soldiers were sleeping, how could they say the disciples stole the body? It's nowhere suggested that the disciples were ever accused by any authority of actually stealing the body. If they did steal the body, they would have been prosecuted. If, they, if the soldiers say, well, it was the disciples who did it, they surely would be able to identify. I mean, it wasn't 
like this was a huge metropolis, they could have easily tracked down who the culprits were and could have found them and could have, could have prosecuted them. But there's no historical record that that ever happened. The disciples, of course, they did not expect the resurrection as we already said. So why would they have stolen the body? What good would that have done? They had no intention of doing that. They had no intention that they were going to see Jesus Christ again. It just doesn't hold up. And the disciples would not have died martyrs' death for the sake of a lie. We'll go do the next lie here. The next false teaching is the swoon story. This is interesting. The swoon story claims that Jesus never actually died, that he fainted and he was unconscious, and, but he was still alive. He never actually died. And they say that the, the spices that they put on his body and after his death, that after a few days it <gasps> revived him. That essential oils did it. This is proof of essential oils for all you ladies that love that sort of thing. No, not the case. Problem with the soldiers. By the way, what did the soldier do to Jesus before they took him off the cross? He pierced his side. Don't we believe that these trained soldiers, they, they were trained to kill? They knew how to kill? Do you think they knew how to kill somebody? We, we would all say yes, they absolutely would. You think they would be able to identify if somebody was alive or if somebody was dead? 100%. Joseph, Nicodemus, they testified that Jesus was dead. And how about this? Jesus walked roughly 13 miles on Sunday, on the Sunday of his resurrection from Jerusalem to Emmaus and then back again, 13 miles. Do we remember what Jesus went through? Do we remember... Uh, the, the beatings? Do we remember the cat of nine tails? Do you remember that the Bible says he was unrecognizable as a man? And that he was nailed to a cross, his side was pierced, but yet magically a man was able to walk 13 miles a few days after that happens? Some of us in here couldn't walk 13 miles <laughs> on our best day. Jesus did not just faint, he was resurrected, and he had a new, his new resurrected body. We'll do the next slide. Some more problems with lie. It would make Jesus a liar to allow the resurrection tale to spread if it were not true. If he really just fainted, why would he take claim and why would he take glory that he did something he didn't actually do? Also, <clears throat> what happened to him after that? What happened to Jesus after that? If he really did... I mean, he just disappeared in the thin air? No, he died. The chief priests and the Pharisees, fearing such deception, they would have surely confirmed his death. They wanted Jesus dead. Jesus didn't just randomly die by some accident. It was purposeful. That's why they whipped him and they nailed him to a piece of wood. They wanted to kill him. It was their number one goal that we are going to get this guy off the scene. We don't want him to be influencing these people anymore causing a problem with our administration, and they wanted him gone. They made sure that he was dead. Okay, next one. I believe we have one more false teaching. The hallucination lie. Claims that the eyewitnesses of Christ's post-resurrection appearances, they were actually hallucinating. Everybody that saw Jesus after, they were just hallucinating. They were crazy. They lost their minds. Problems with this lie, of course, more than 500 people were hallucinating at the same time? In the same place? I don't know what kind of drugs those were, but give me them, Doc. 
Let me have them. They were hallucinating. And these appearances were seen by those who doubted the resurrection. They didn't have some plan that they wanted Jesus, uh, that they were trying to convince the world that Jesus was alive. They thought he was dead. And they doubted the resurrection, but they were convinced after they saw Jesus. Okay, next slide. This is great. (laughs) I don't know what they're teaching, but we need some of that. The wrong tomb lie. It claims that the women, everybody else, they showed up at the wrong place. They went to the wrong tomb. They showed up at the wrong tomb. Problem with this lie, the women carefully observed the burial. Mark 15, 47. The grave clothes suggest the right tomb. I mean, the smell probably of of the spices and things that they get. I mean, that would signify that we were at the right door. We got the right place. And of course, the chief priests and the Pharisees, if they had the wrong tomb, don't you think they would have corrected the people very fast? They had the soldiers standing out there. If the people had the wrong tomb, they would have, right at the forefront of all that, they would have said, you guys are wrong. Here he is. This is his tomb right here. He's still in there. He's dead. But that wasn't the case, okay? What else do we have? Okay, then we have the results of Christ's resurrection. We'll try to get through these, as much of them as we can. But Christ rose with an eternal body, never to die again. What's interesting is all the other resurrections before this, they were just simply restoration of, our, of the former earthly bodies. We think about Lazarus. He was raised from the dead. He did not have his eternal body. He just had a, a his body was restored, but he was going to die a physical death again. When we think about Um, the widows that Elisha and Elijah uh, raised the children up. Those children, they were going to die again. It was not uh, their eternal body, and Jesus was the first one who had his eternal body. And his resurrected body had linked to his unresurrected body. Go ahead, and I think I got a few of them down there. There we go. People recognized him. The scars from his wounds, they were retained. We got a few more. I think I have three more. He had the ability to eat. He breathed on the disciples, and his body had flesh and bones. He did not have to eat. Why? Because he was raised never to die again. If there was something that could kill him, then I wouldn't think that that would be eternal life. But he had his eternal body, so he ate for pleasure, I believe. Okay? So some of the things that... I say those things so that we get a picture of what our resurrected bodies will kind of be like. So a new body again, but his resurrected body was different. He could walk through walls, pretty nice feature. (laughs) He could appear and disappear at will, that's great. He was not limited by physical needs such as sleep or food. Some more things. Okay, here's a detailed description about what Jesus is going to look like. We have Revelation 1, 13 through 16. Why not? I'm not going to read it all, but you can see the underlying points. Um, Like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot. 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool. Some of you guys, you guys have your eternal bodies in here, some of you? No, I'm just kidding, just joking. It was white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass. He had a tan. We're going to have a tan. That'll be nice. 
His voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and of course at the end, and his countenance was as the, uh, the sun shineth in his strength. That gives you a little picture of maybe what he looked like while he was here on earth. Okay? So Christ's resurrection serves as an example to the resurrection of us. Two times Christ referred to as the firstborn from the dead, Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And Revelation 1.5, and, and from Jesus, who is faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Okay, next. So what will our new bodies look like? 1 John 3, 2. We'll just look at this last part. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. That's pretty good with me. Is that pretty good with you? We're going to be like him. How are we going to be? We're going to be pure, verse 3. We're going to be without sin, verse 5. We're going to be righteous, verse 7. And I understand that that has a lot to do with our stance, our stance in Christ, yes. But it also affects appearance as well. It also affects appearance as well. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen these college athletes. You look at them, it's like there's a kid coming out of high school. He's 18 years old. He's going to play football or play basketball. And I look at that guy and I say, that is not an 18. That is a full-grown man. They look, sometimes they look like they're 30 years old. I don't know if, you, if we all agree on that. But yes, I mean, see, sometimes I see these athletes and these things, I mean, they... They look like they are way older than what they are. What is that? Well, I had a friend. He told me, the world is hard. The world's a hard place. What does that mean? The world wears on you. Have you ever seen somebody get beat up by the world? They look about 15 years older than what they actually are. The world is a hard place. And some of the people that you see, they're not pure. They, they don't have Jesus in their life to forgive them of their sin. They're not righteous, and you can see the effects of that. And so I believe that when we have a resurrected body, we're going to be pure, we're going to be without sin, we're going to be righteous, and that's, again, going to affect our countenance as well. We'll do the next slide. Proof of his claims to be the Messiah. Okay, I already mentioned this, but um, what's the result of Christ's resurrection? Wow, we have proof. He was the guy. He was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He claimed it, and it was fulfilled. Okay, I didn't want to re-mention all that. And he began, at this point, a result of his resurrection. He began his present and future ministries. He's the head of the church. He's our high priest. He's our advocate. He's a preparer of a place for us. I love that one. He will raise the dead. He's going to reward all the believers. He's going to rule this world. The judge, he is the judge of the unsaved, and he will rule and reign for all eternity. Amen. We got anything else or is that my last one? That's my last one. So I hope some of these things helped you. I hope uh, even some of these skeptical things that we went over, sometimes I don't, I, I haven't really heard them talk that much about myself um, until I did a little deeper research into it. But maybe those are some of the things and it can help prepare you for when you have skeptics come and try to explain away the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.